All right. Hey, Sycamore View. I'm here with my buddy Patrick Mead. I want to make you aware on Tuesday night, April 25th from 6 to 8, we have a forum coming up. It's going to be on Faith and Doubt. Uh, Patrick, you're at 4th Avenue uh, Church of Christ in Franklin. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Is it, is it a real accent? Tell us something about you. Well, there's not much of it left. Uh, I was raised in seven countries, have a Scottish background, been in America now this time for well over 30 years. And uh, my family was military, then they were missionary, uh, far, far right religion. Um, and I escaped it when I was 16 and left home. Uh, went into science and found faith again through science and decided I would... Uh, serve God for a little bit. And so far that's turned into three decades. Yeah, man. I love it. I love your wife. Uh, of course, my, I know you have two kids. My wife and I are a lot closer to your daughter who we just adore and her husband, your son-in-law is one of my best friends, um, Josh Graves. Uh, but Hey, um, so I know you and I, we've done a few events together. I know you get asked to travel around uh, really all over the world. Uh, God has uh, given you a voice that needs to be heard. So I know you have to be very strategic in what you say yes and no to. Uh, so what was it about seeing an email come from me about an event on faith and doubt that made you want to be a part of this night? Well, there are two things. The, the first one got to get out of the way, but a lot of respect for you and for Sycamore View. Uh, and your friendship with my daughter and son-in-law was, was a factor. But the other is that so few churches give you a forum for this. And I'm a man who openly as a pastor of a large church, still struggles with doubt, struggles. I walk in, uh, you know, Jacob wrestled God once. I have season tickets. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I roll up my sleeves, walk into the room and say, all right, we're back. Come on. What are you doing? Uh, are you even there? How do we do? Uh, and I do that out loud. My church knows this. They know this isn't a faith of certainty. Yeah. It is. It is, it is wrestling in the dark and choosing the story. Which story makes most sense? Which story are you going to use to get through life? Yeah. Well, man, we can't wait to have you here. Uh, again, it's going to be Tuesday night, April 25th from 6 to 8. Uh, thanks for being a part of this. We can't wait to see you in a few weeks. Looking forward to it. Cheers, brother. All right. Bye. Uh, it was the very end of that video anyway. He was just making a statement. This isn't a isn't a faith of uh, certainty. This is a faith of asking good questions. It's a faith of asking God, what are you doing? How are you inviting me to be there? This event's on Tuesday night, April 25th from 6 to 8. I hope you come and bring friends. This is a third forum that I have hosted that we've had at this church. What we're trying to do is create forums where we can discuss sensitive topics in a very healthy environment. So I hope you'll be there. When I, Early on this year, I had a Sunday where I had people raise hands who, who have struggled with certain things or have been through uh, forms of uh, brokenness and heartache. I had people raise hands who've been through divorce, who have lost children. I, I can't remember all the different categories I threw out there, but one of them was how many people here str have had serious struggles with faith and doubt, asking big questions of God. And, and more hands came up for that one than, than any of the other ones. I'm grateful to be a part of a church right now that over the last few years we have been learning what it means to celebrate really well together and also that we are it's still in the process of becoming a church where there are no questions that you cannot ask 
that we don't want to pray through, work through, receive. I'm grateful to have elders of this church. And if you have questions about God or life and you ask one, they're not going to say, you cannot ask that around here. But how can we lay that before the Lord to see what God will do? So I hope you'll come and bring friends that night. Lee Strobel is a, a best-selling author who um, uh, was a devout atheist for a, a long time in his life. On November 8th of 1981, he gave his life to the Lord, surrendered his life to Jesus. He confessed Jesus as the forgiver, the friend, the savior of his life. He went on to write books like The Case for Christ, The The Case for Faith, and there have been some others he has written as well. But he's very open that when he gave his life to the Lord, he confessed Jesus as the Lord of his life. When he was baptized into Christ, he went through this struggle after that. And the struggle was, what do I do now? And I think it's one of the best questions any of us can ask after conversion is, what do we do now? Because for Lee Strobel, it was like, man, I believe God to be true. I believe Jesus is who Jesus claimed to be. But how do I grow in a relationship with the God that cannot be seen? How do I, how do I develop a prayer life with Jesus when I can't hear his audible voice? So he began having some of these struggles, which I think are some of the struggles some of you may have too. So I want to talk this morning about risky prayer. And here's, I guess, how I want to define risky prayer. I think prayer is risky, and I also think prayer is the healthiest. When we realize that prayer is not about getting God to come and be a part of our business, it's about us becoming part of God's business. So it's not God stepping into my heart as much as it's me getting into God's heart. So, um, and risky prayers, what they do is, I, I, I hope we're careful sometimes what we pray. Sometimes I don't think we know what we're asking for when we do pray. I don't know if we know what we're asking for when we see, sing some of the songs that we were singing this morning, like open the eyes of my heart. What happens when the eyes of your heart begin to be open to see things that need to change, to see ways that God is moving in our lives? So what this, what this sermon has done to me for a few weeks is it's made me reflect back on some of the risky prayers of my own life. I want to walk you through eight of them, okay? And I'll do this uh, fairly quickly. But uh, I, I consider uh, the age of 17 the age when I became a devout follower of Jesus. I've been a seasoned sinner ever since, but it was the, the age when I knew that I wanted to give my life to the Lord no matter what God uh, was going to do with me, no matter what career I entered into. So what I've done the last few weeks is I've reflected back on what are some of those risky prayers I've prayed. Prayers I still want to learn how to pray. I just want to be careful as I lift them up because I know that like when it, there are some prayers you pray, you just need to watch out what's going to fall down from heaven, all right? Uh, I, I began praying a prayer at the age of 17, God, show me your glory. Uh, and, and I began praying this prayer because we were, at that time in our youth group, we were singing a lot of songs about the glory of God and showing me your glory. And I can remember singing those with, with my friends in youth group settings or in church with uh, a smile on my face with hands lifted, or actually I was raised in a church where the elders told us we could only raise our hands up to our neck. So hands lifted, and sometimes my rebellious spirit, I would go up to cheekbone just to see if I'd get in trouble, you know. I, I remember just laying myself before the Lord, like, God, show me your glory. I want to see more of your glory. And then I started reading the Bible of what happened when people saw the glory of God. And when people encountered the glory of God, like Moses and Isaiah and Elijah and John and Revelation, when they encountered the glory of God, people weren't smiling. People weren't even standing in the presence of the Lord. They were on their face in the presence of the Lord. It called for a a response from their body as a different posture, but it wasn't standing in the presence of God. It was falling in the presence of God. They thought they were dead. 
most people who encountered the glory of God were not leaving that experience begging to see the glory of God again. They knew they needed it, but it was, that, was, that was so mesmerizing, so powerful, so uh, awe-filled that I, I don't know if I can handle it again. I also started praying a prayer then of God break my heart. This is one of the songs we were singing in the youth group. In fact, uh, a friend of Casey's, it was a youth group retreat. A guy in her youth group, one of her friends, wrote that song. became a song people started singing all over the nation. Break my heart, oh God. Lay all my barriers down. And I started praying the prayer of God, break my heart. But then I had to like reflect because anytime we ask God to break our hearts, mold our hearts, form our hearts, I started singing that song and praying that prayer. And I felt God starting to poke. And I was like, ouch, like owie. That, that hurts. And it was a prayer that we pray. Sometimes I think I lay, I lay these prayers before God, and sometimes I feel as if the response to me from God is, you, you need to keep praying that because you really have no clue what you're really asking for right now. Sometimes I think we pray prayers, and we don't really know if they're prayers we really want to come true or not. And to offer up, break my heart to the Lord? I started praying a prayer back then, and I, I mean back then because I'm really careful with this one now. I started praying a prayer of God, uh, humble me and give me patience. And I'm always really, I'm at a point now where it's like sometimes I think we pray like we can manipulate God as if that can really happen. But now I'm really careful. I'm like, God, can you just kind of slowly inject a little bit of humility in my heart or slowly just place a little patience in me? Because when we start saying, God, humble me, give me patience, God begins putting things in your life that makes those things come true, right? Testing and opportunities for humility to, to be there. I started praying a prayer Back when I was 17, God made me more like Jesus. I started realizing that Jesus is not just a hero that we learn about in history. He's an example that we follow. So when it came to Jesus learning obedience, and I think even when it came to Jesus living a sinless life, I think sometimes we think that was easy for Jesus. That wasn't easy for Jesus. Learning obedience. I don't think it was easy for Jesus. Uh, uh, I mean, he was tempted in every way we were, yet he was without sin. It wasn't an easy thing. He had to learn how to say no to evil and no to temptations. So for us to pray, God, make me more like Jesus, is to become more aware of the things in me that aren't like Jesus so I can become more like him. I began praying prayers, and I prayed these th prayers throughout my life. God, um, uh, where's your glory leading me? Um, how did I word that, the next one? Uh, after making me more like Jesus. Yeah, use me for your glory. A couple of things come to mind as I've been praying these prayers throughout my life. One is when we pray for God to use us for his glory, we, our eyes become open to opportunities that are in front of us, to doors that God has already opened. He's just opening our eyes to see them, or doors God is currently opening. And as those doors open, we, be, we gain clarity on what's on the other side of the door. And there's sometimes God has opened a door when I begin to see kind of what's on the other side. And I know if I choose this path, it's going to take time and energy and relational uh, time. It's going to take a lot of me. So to pray, God, use me for your glory. Do we really know what may come from that prayer? Uh, a few more if you go uh, to that next one. Uh, praying the prayer of your will be done. Because when we pray for your will to be done, what we're also praying is for your will to trump my will. A lot of times my prayer life is, God, here's my will, here's my plan, here's how I would like life to go, and can you come and just bless what I'm laying before you right now? 
Here are the plans my parents gave me, handed on to me. I'm laying these before you. Speak favor over them, but to pray for your will to be done. It's for me to surrender my will, my life, my plans, my motives to the will of God, which may not align with what I want for my life. When I moved to Memphis, I started praying the prayer of God, help me to love this city. And when I talk about Memphis, I'm talking about all Shelby County, all 901. God, help me to love this place like you do. Help my heart to be broken by the things that break your heart. Not realizing the journey God was going to take me on to take me outside of my own social makeup, whether that is economics, uh, uh, other ethnic groups, whatever it may be, to stretch me, to gain a greater understanding of where people are, of their history, where they've come from. And last uh, but not least, uh, just praying a prayer of God, have your way with me. Started praying that a few years ago, and this is one of those where I felt the response from God was, you really have no clue what you want when you ask that. Because when we ask God, have your way with me, um, it, this, the reality that God began teaching me a few years ago was it's impossible for someone to perform surgery on a moving patient. And I think it's really difficult for God to perform heart surgery on people who won't stay still. Uh, and not that anything is impossible for God, but I think it's a struggle for God when people won't give him the time of day to, for God to have their way with them. Uh, I'm curious if you resonate with any of those eight prayers up there. Just in your own life, if you could say, yep, that right there is probably the riskiest prayer I have ever prayed or that I could pray. Will you do me a favor? Will you shoot me a text, email me, look me up on Facebook, Twitter? Go old school. Write me a note this week, all right, on how risky prayers have played a part of your life or how they currently are playing a part of your life. I want to talk just about prayer a little bit and hopefully lead us to a place where I I want this to be a sermon that is hopeful and helpful, that it doesn't leave you confused, but I want to talk about prayer uh, just for a few moments because I I want you to realize people today still pray almost as much as ever. Research shows this. Uh, Gallup polls, Barna polls, people who do large research, not just with Christians, but with with Americans or people around the world. People pray a lot. Ten years ago, a large poll was taken of the American population where nine out of ten people said that they have a regular, a fairly regular prayer life. Even today, though there are places where prayer may not happen in a public kind of way, people still pray. Now, there are people even in America who they, they pray to Buddha, or uh, you have prayers in AA. They may, may not be directed you know, to Yahweh, to our God, but there, there are prayers being lifted up. It, it kind of blows me away sometimes. Like, there are devout Muslims who pray five times a day, and whether it's driven by legalism, I... I we, we are not, we don't worship Muhammad. We worship the true God. And I, sometimes I wonder why are there some people who, in other religions, who seem to have greater prayer lives than people who surrender their lives to Jesus. I, sometimes I don't get it, but there, a lot of people still pray. And if I were to ask you today, are you satisfied with your prayer life? Would you like God to take you to a deeper place in your prayer life? I think there would be a unanimous, yeah, I would like to go deeper. I would like to know how, so how do we do it? You can look it up on Amazon today. You can look for books on prayer. You're going to find 10,000 books that have been written on prayer. You could buy today. You can listen to this sermon. You could go find podcasts. You could talk to friends. And then you can just grab little ideas of all these ways to increase your prayer life. And you still may walk away from that with what may feel like a a half-baked, imbalanced prayer life that just doesn't make sense. So how does prayer work? All right, so I told you a few weeks ago, uh, Casey and I went camping with her family and do my... Casey, me, and the boys, we are urban to the core. I don't do well way out in 
canyons and forests. Now, when we camp with Casey's parents, we're not in tents. We're in a camper. So we had a heater and an AC, but that's how we roll, all right? So uh, when we pulled up to the campsite, I knew we were going to be there for two days, but I still had a sermon to preach on Sunday. Justin Archery working on some projects. I needed some Wi-Fi in my life. So I asked them, I was like, is there Wi-Fi around here? And they said, yeah, the Wi-Fi is connected to the bathhouse. I was like, so if I want to be on Wi-Fi, I've got to go <laughs> where men and women are going to either take, like, there aren't even any benches around there, but that's what I would do. And to get on Wi-Fi, I would go walk close to the bathhouse, sit on the ground where sometimes it would get dark, and they're like wild buffalo and things that scare the mess out of me out there. On Wi-Fi, and so I'm shooting emails to Justin. I had some, the, the book I'm writing, I had emails I had to get to my publisher and I also had to fill out my March Madness bracket. So I needed Wi-Fi for some really important matters in my life, which, by the way, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's how you play the game, all right? I've been reminding myself a lot. Uh, but I, I, I would sit there, and I'm crafting these emails to a publisher or to Justin or to the staff or, or to people, and I would hit send, and then I would wait. And I would wait, of, man, am I connected right now in a way where it's going to go through or not? And sometimes it would come back and it would show that I wasn't connected. I would have to connect again and try to send the email again. And I've reflected back and I'm like, sometimes I wonder if we think that's how prayer works. I'm lifting up this prayer, but is it just bouncing off the ceiling and coming back to me? Where's it going? Who's receiving it? How's it being received? Because sometimes it's not like you get an automated response from heaven, right? Like, hey, we'll get to this in a few moments, but we just wanted you to know we got the request. How does it work? Uh, because you have people who've written all these books and they're asking questions of why and they are, there are these gaps that have been formed. I, I think in some of our prayer lives there's a gap between how we think of prayer and how we practice prayer. And some of the gaps exist because of science and technology. Uh, there was a time, thousands of years, when people had a child who got sick, they prayed. And now we reach for Tylenol. And I believe God is over science, for science, working through science. But even when it comes, to, I mean, there were times for thousands of years where people would pray for rain because they needed rain and they needed water for crops or just for their family to drink. And now we may pray for rain, but I bet what we really do is pull up the app on our phone or look at Ron Childers on Action 5 to see what they're saying about the forecast. There's a gap in how we pray, how we think about prayer, and how we practice prayer, even when it comes to wealth and materialism because especially living in america we can begin to trust our gifts our talents our occupations our wealth our insurance policies our retirement plans that will secure our future and we begin to trust in all these things and i have all those things by the way we have casey we have saving accounts we have retirement plans we have insurance policies but sometimes we can become so focused on those things that are driving our lives instead of learning to pray prayers like Jesus of God, give me today what I need for today. Help me not trust in things that will rust and go away, but trust in the kingdom of God that lives forever. Sometimes there's a gap between how we think of prayer and how we've practiced prayer because of time pressures. Because though it's easier to communicate today than ever before, commun communication in meaningful ways in some ways is more challenging than ever before. And not only is communication challenging, contemplation's even more challenging of taking time to sit in the presence of God, to rest in God, to believe in solitude before God. 
And sometimes we question how prayer works. I do sometimes because, like, this God is, is God, how concerned is God that we get the close tar, uh, parking spot at Target or Kroger? Yet he's not a God who will intervene to stop the Holocaust or forms of abuse. Like, how does this work? So Philip Yancey, he's one of my favorite authors, my favorite author. He had interviews with people about prayer. And when he does interviews, he tries to get this broad sweep of people. And uh, he asked him a few questions. He asked, is prayer important? And the overwhelming response was, yes. And he asked people, how often do you pray? The overwhelming response was, regularly. And then he said, how long do you pray? And the majority of people responded to where the, the average person said they pray five to seven minutes a day. But then he asked a couple of follow-up questions. He said, do you find prayer satisfying? And people said, not really. He said, do you sense the presence of God when you pray? And the overwhelming response was occasionally, but not much. And what he came to discover was that there were people, and some of you may be in this room where we feel prayer is more of a burden than a pleasure. It's more of a duty than a privilege. And if that's the place where you are, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means we're on a journey. And that God's inviting us into something deeper. Thomas Merton once said, prayer is an expression of who we are. That we are a living incompleteness. We are a gap in emptiness that calls for fulfillment. Uh, and, and I think the greatest argument for us that, to desire a deeper prayer life is it's that Jesus thought having a prayer life was so important. And again, there are times where I think we look at Jesus as the hero, but there are times when Jesus even says that follow my example. In 1 John 2, it says if you want to like, give your life to Jesus, you need to walk just as Jesus walked. And for Jesus, prayer is something that he does, but even more than that, it's something that he lived. And when Jesus, 12 different times, we see Jesus going away with God to pray. 12 times. You find parables where Jesus is teaching on prayer. He's offering up images and metaphors about prayer and a prayer life. And, and Jesus paints prayer as something that is very simple. It's a relationship with God. It's not about trying to wow God with your, your words and your phrases and your knowledge. But though Jesus makes it very simple, he doesn't make prayer out to be simplistic. Jesus is, uh, he, he, over five times in the Gospels, you have Jesus praying all alone, not just praying with people, praying all alone. And one thing I want to talk a little bit more about next week on April uh, 9th is that Jesus, he knew the sensation of having unanswered prayers. Jesus prayed for the cup to be taken from him. It wasn't. Jesus prayed for his disciples not to be taken from his hand. Judas was. Jesus prayed for Peter not to be taken down by Satan. And then the very next day, Peter was. Jesus knew the sensation of having unanswered prayers. But sometimes we wrestle with what do we pray for and how do we pray? Look at Jesus. Go home and pull up BibleGateway.com and just... See how Jesus prayed, how he laid himself before God. There's another author, and what he said about prayer was this. Contact with him, contact with Jesus, is not our achievement. It is a gift coming down to us from on high like a meteor rather than rising up like a rocket. I love that. Let me talk just for a moment about what prayer is not, and then hopefully I can give us something to take from here that is a lot more hopeful and helpful. Prayer is not about trying to impress God with our words. It's not about trying to find a right 
patterns and formulas and phrases or I don't really sense God working in my life. So if I can just find that right verse that I lay before God that expresses my heart, then God will want to move because of the prayer I'm laying before him. Prayer is not about impressing God with words. Prayer is also not a, what I, I guess some people call like fast food prayers. It's not Burger King prayers. Um, you know how it is, like when you pull up at a place like Burger King, you pull through the drive-thru, you come up to the speaker, and then, have you ever pulled up to one and there's just silence for like a minute? It's like, excuse me, is anybody there? Because you don't want to make anyone mad because they may do something to your food, right? You say, I, excuse me, is anybody there? Yes, yeah, so, I, I didn't really get that, I'm sorry. Is this the right time to order? Yeah, I would like a number two. Uh, but can you cut the mayo and ketchup? And I want you to add cheese. And if you will, can you put some jalapenos and some bacon on that? Because that's how I roll. Sir, you would like a roll? No, I don't want a roll. I just want some stuff added and some stuff taken off of that, that burger and supersize that, you know, wherever you are. I mean, Burger King, I guess, has a different lingo. And throw a Dr. Pepper in there, if you will. Yes, sir, that will be such and such. And you pull up to the drive-thru and you tell them thank you. And then sometimes people respond with my pleasure. And you're like, whoa, whoa, Chick-fil-A has a market on my pleasure. You can't use that phrase, right? And sometimes we come before God and we're like, God, I'm hungry. And here's the meal I would like you to feed me with. There are times I think we come before God and we lay all of our requests before God. And we get specific before God. There are times Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Because he wanted people to articulate what it is they want of God and what they're asking for. But I think there are times where the best thing we can do is to come before God and just say, God, I'm hungry and I'm desperate. And I just want to trust that you know what food I need that can satisfy my needs, that can best tend to me right now. So I'm just bringing you my hungry heart, trusting that you can serve up a platter that I need right now. Prayer also is not a transaction. And sometimes I think I view prayer this way, that if I do my part, then God will reciprocate. If I do this, then God will immediately respond. I gave you something, you need to give me something in return. I've told you before, um, a while back, my sister, uh, she had her first child a year into their marriage, and they weren't trying to get pregnant. And then she went through, until the day she died, battling with infertility, went through all kind of procedures. Uh, it was a struggle in her faith sometimes, like why God would not give her a larger family. Seven years before Jenny died, I got my whole family together and I said, hey, let's all fast from something we love. And we're going to fast from it until God gives Jenny another baby. And I gave up Dr. Pepper, and people understand, at the time I was pounding Dr. Peppers, probably six a day, all right? I was young. I could throw down sodas that kind of way. I was, and and my, my thinking was, God's going to be so impressed by what I'm giving up. Why would God not want to respond to this? I just didn't know it was going to go on for seven years with me giving up the drink that will flow right along with the milk and honey in heaven one day, all right? <laughs> seven years. Thinking, if I do this, God will want to respond. There's this one guy, Jonathan, and what he wrote in uh, one of his books is he said for so much of his life, he compared his his relationship to God as a bank manager. And I spoke to him politely. I visited his premises intermittently, occasionally asking for a small favor or overdraft to get myself out of difficulty, thanked him condescendingly for his assistance, kept up the appearance of being one of his reasonably reliable customers, and maintained superficial contact with him on the grounds that one of these days he might come in useful. Is that connected in any kind of way? 
And I could sit up here and I bet we could add to a list of what prayer is not, but I don't just want to debunk what prayer is not. I don't want to, just want to leave you today with what prayer isn't to where you leave confused. I want to give you maybe some things that are hopeful and helpful. I want us to try to wrap our minds around the avenue of prayer what God has created, that it is this moment where the divine connects with humanity. That God has paved a way for communication between the great I am and the creator of the world to connect with fragile human beings. And I hope you can walk away from here hearing me say today that God likes being with you. When I'm with my closest friends, I don't want much of them. I just want to enjoy their company. Casey and I went on a date last night with Todd and Krista Lane. And when we got home, Casey and I did not sit down to grade Todd and Krista of how good of friends they are, how much fun we had to see if it's something we want to do again. When we're with people we love, we just want to enjoy their company. And I think there are times where for God to develop this deeper relationship, it's not that God wants much, he just wants to enjoy company. Philip Yancey says, I have learned to see prayer not as my way of establishing God's presence, whether as my way of responding to God's presence. That is a fact whether or not I can detect it. And I love how he said it. Not that I can believe it, but whether or not I can detect it. Ray Anderson once said, prayer is not a means of removing the unknown and unpredictable elements in my life, but rather a way of including the unknown and unpredictable in the outworking of the grace of God in our lives. Uh, so, if, for those who are praying today for the shepherds and the prayer leaders, will you, will you go where you are? And let me just say a, a few more words as they, they go. I want you to be able to see where they are today because there may be someone who feels the prompting to go to a prayer leader today, and it's not because you have an awful prayer life or because you need to go because uh, there's something wrong with you. It may be an invitation of God for you to go somewhere just to receive a blessing from the Lord. I want you to think of God in this relationship with God, almost like any relationship, any relationship you enter into, there is risk involved. There's risk when you say yes to any relationship, to a spouse, to a child, to a friend. For you to say yes, you were opening yourself up to the possibility of at some point in that relationship, it begins to take a turn and, and it becomes something that you did not envision that relationship being. And there are times even with God to say yes to God, to enter into this relationship with God. There may be times in a prayer life or in any kind of, any type of, anywhere in your life where it begins to take on shapes and forms that you did not expect or anticipate. But it's a risk worth diving into. And when we begin lifting up prayers to God for growth, for maturity, for development, to be formed, to be transformed, whatever the prayer may be, lay it before God in faith, but know that God may, it may be a little difficult because sometimes growth is that way, but ultimately God has your best interests in mind. He wants to lead you to a healthier place. We want to follow him there. And as we pray riskier prayers as individuals in this church, God begins opening our eyes to see Jesus and to see life in ways we may not have seen it otherwise. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're willing or able, maybe uh, just open your hands before the Lord. For God, we come to you today. Uh, God, lifting up to you that more than us begging you today to come into our space, we want to come into yours. 
more than us just asking you to come be a part of our lives. We're asking you to invite us into your life. More than you coming into our hearts, invite us into your heart. And open our eyes to see the unseen, to see what it is you want us to see. And whatever it is you reveal, to believe it's from you and to go at it with everything we have. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing and feel free to make your way to one of our prayer leaders today.